1: Your hands.
0: Good morning, listeners. You're on Thursday morning breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. Good morning, Inez. Good morning, Leila.
2: Good morning.
0: Good morning, everyone. Um, As everybody should know, today is Invasion Day, the 26th of January, and I really hope that uh, people have plans to commemorate this day appropriately, or, you know what, your workplace might have given you the option to work through, so you might be listening to this on the way to the office um, I think it's um, it's really great that more and more workplaces are providing the option for people to just not take the public holiday as well. Um, but whatever you're doing, I hope you're not celebrating because, uh, remember, you are celebrating land, theft and genocide.
2: Mm, and actually, just a really nice idea that I was talking to my housemate yesterday and they are working today and giving all of their public holiday additional pay to a uh, First Nations um, fundraiser.
0: So. Yeah, no, that is a really good reminder to pay the rent. Um and uh listeners, I'm sure if you're gonna be at any of the rallies um, at, sorry, at the rally in Narm, um, or Birirunga in Melbourne, uh, you can go to paytherent.net.au and I'm sure people will be around with QR codes as well to pay there. Um, but this is really important, uh, you know, fundraising to support self-determined actions, including covering funerals and sorry business, but also to fund, you know, community building and strengthening activities for Victorian, uh, First Nations people. So, Um, Really, really important. Um, And we're going to have a couple of things on today that are, you know, discussions covering some of the the issues that are going on both uh, in the Victorian space, but also nationwide affecting First Nations people. So, Inez, do you want to kick it off?
1: Yep. So first up, we'll hear a replay from our December interview with Suanne Hunter, who is a proud Wurundjeri and Nurulamurung woman and a deputy chair and commissioner with the Uruk Justice Commission. And Suanne is a child and family services practitioner who has focused her career around using culture as a foundation for healing trauma and addressing the impacts of colonization. So we spoke about the Uruk Justice recent investigation into the impact of the child protection and criminal justice system on First Peoples in, quote-unquote, Victoria. You can watch the public hearings that occurred from the 5th to the 16th of December on the URIC website. And also throughout the show, we know that some of this content can be distressing. So if you need to talk to somebody, please contact 1300-YARN, which is 139276, to talk with an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander crisis supporter, which is available 24-7.
2: On Tuesday, the 23rd of January, the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, VALS, hosted a panel discussion about the child protection and youth justice systems, reversing colonisation and ending Aboriginal deaths in custody. We will hear an edited excerpt of the discussion, hosted by VALS CEO, Narita Waite, and featuring panellists Sissy Austin, Nayuka Gori and Tyson Lovett-Murray. Listen back to the full conversation and donate to Val's vital work for the Victorian Aboriginal community by heading
0: to vals.org.au. Yeah, and... um Finally, we're going to be hearing a really important update. Uh, So earlier this week, Natalie Davey from community radio station Wonky Radio in Fitzroy Crossing joined 3CR's Emma Hart to speak about the impact of the recent flooding in the Kimberley. So we're going to be playing this as a two-part conversation on the show, and uh, you can donate to support the community-led recovery there by visiting mwrc.com.au forward slash pages forward slash donations. But of course, we'll have We have all these donation links in our show notes, but I think it is really important um, that we were able to get this live update from Fitzroy Crossing because it is pretty rare to be able to, um, you know, engage with folks and and organize interviews uh, with folks, especially out in rural communities, regional communities. So I'm really glad that Natalie made the time to to chat with Emma, and I'm really interested to hear that conversation. Uh, We might go to a community service announcement before we come back to you with the headlines.
3: Wa carries the stories of our ancestors, forever watching over us and protecting us. Join me, Taljam Chongo Edwards, for Ballam a journey of stories, yarns and music about freedom and survival from 2pm to 3pm every Thursday afternoon on 3CR, 8.55 on your radio dial.
4: As I walk alone on my dreaming track tonight, I can hear the voices of my elders. Their ancient sounds echo in my mind, to the beat of
0: clapstick and the dancing. And these are the news headlines for Thursday, the 26th of January. Snap restrictions on alcohol consumption in Mbantua Alice Springs were announced by the Prime Minister yesterday in a move that recalls the psychologically devastating and harmful impacts of the Northern Territory intervention. First Nations people are pointing to the now repealed intervention as the cause for high rates of crime and alcohol-fueled violence in recent weeks. The intervention included appalling and punitive measures such as compulsory acquisition of land, forced income management, which still continues, blanket alcohol bans and the suspension of anti-discrimination laws that allowed for compulsory health checks. Arnhem community leaders say that the intervention was a disaster for remote community residents, one that disempowered First Nations people and made them prisoners on their own land. The bans prohibiting alcohol communities uh, alcohol in communities across the Northern Territory under the stronger futures legislation expired and were lifted overnight in July last year. At the time the government rejected calls from First Nations health groups for a more planned transition. A decision on the potential return of blanket alcohol bans is due mid next week, with communities now required to apply to opt out if the intervention era bans are reinstated.
1: Also in headlines this week and First Nations Also in headlines this week, and First Nations listeners, please be advised that this headline contains mention of a First Nations person who has died. The inquest into the death in custody of Veronica Nelson is due to close next week, and legal groups are urging that the Victorian government not to delay reforming the state's bail laws in the wake of the findings. The inquest heard that the state's current bail laws contributed to Miss Nelson's death in custody and that they disproportionately harm First Nations women overall the coroner is expected to recommend changes to the laws, which currently mean people accused of minor offences struggle to get bail even if they pose no risk to the community. Narita White, chief executive of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Aid Service, or VALS, this week said that there have been times where 80% of Aboriginal women in Victorian prisons are on remand, often women who are victims of domestic violence and women who are primary carers for family members.
2: And finally, in headlines... An update on an incident in West Papua. A Papuan journalist has been targeted in a bomb attack in Jayapura City this week, marking continued attacks on independent journalists in the region. Journalist Victor Mambo and his family are unharmed from the blast, but have been repeatedly subjected to attacks in recent years, such as vandalism of their property, doxing, hacking and online harassment. A police team has been investigating the most recent incident on the ground, but no perpetrators have been arrested for this attack, nor for past attacks and harassments. Advocates have strongly condemned the bombings as a threat to, the, to press freedom in Papua. These have been the news headlines for Thursday, 26th of January. You're listening
0: to 3CR on 855 AM. Just uh in addition to that, headline uh, discussing alcohol bans in the Northern Territory. Um, I would encourage listeners to look up the work of the Intervention Rollback Action Group, which is based in Bantua. Um, There's a lot of really important work that they've been doing throughout the duration of the Northern Territory intervention um, and a lot of critical discussions that they've had about the importance of restoring self-determination and adequate resourcing to actually fulfil that self-determination to communities across the Northern Territory, rather than uh, you know continuing paternalistic laws and the management of Aboriginal people's lives in various different ways. So once again, you can find the Intervention Rollback Action Group on Facebook, and I believe they also have a website if you look that up. Um, you're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. So
4: tell us what to do. And they push
5: the ground And then they have the goal To go and rip off the ground Join 3CR from 9am to 4pm on Thursday the 26th of January for our annual Invasion Day broadcast. 3CR's First Nation presenters will be broadcasting live from the Stop the War Treaty Before Voice rally and march in Melbourne. We'll be bringing you black and deadly music news and views from activists across the continent with a grassroots politics that you won't find anywhere else as we discuss genocide sovereignty treaty pay the rent death in custody truth and justice and the law of the land so keep tuned free cr on thursday the 26th of january 2023
1: So now we will hear a replay from our December interview with Suanne Hunter, who is a proud Wurundjeri and Nure Ulamurang woman and Deputy Chair and Commissioner with the Uruk Justice Commission. Suanne is a child and family services practitioner who has focused her career around using culture as a foundation for healing trauma. We spoke about the Uruk Justice Commission's recent investigation into the impact of child protection and criminal justice system. You can watch the public hearings that occurred from the 5th to the 16th of December on the URIC website. And also, we know that this content can be distressing. So if you need someone to talk to, please contact 13-YARN, that's 139276 to talk with an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander crisis support. And now we will go to an interview with Commissioner Sue Ann Hunter, who is a proud Wurundjeri Nure alum Wurrung woman and a Deputy Chair and Commissioner with the URIC Justice Commission. Sue Ann is also a Child and Family Services Practitioner and will be joining us today to speak on the Europe Justice Commission's upcoming investigation into the impact of child protection and criminal justice system of First Peoples in Victoria. Thanks so much for joining us here today, Commissioner Sue Ann. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, anytime. Um, I think, can we, I know we have a lot to cover, but I know we'll start off with what you said in the media release, um, that we know the harm that, has been inflicted on the stolen generation continues to traumatize our people yet record numbers of first nations children are being taken from their families at a rate 20 times greater than non-aboriginal kids and we're seeing a new stolen generation happening before our eyes yeah could we start off with why first nations children are so overrepresented in the child protection system yeah
6: i think the why is is the really big part of it. So in these hearings, we were looking at why um, and better understanding through these hearings about why this is happening. So why are we overrepresented? Why are the rates not reducing but going up? These are the questions that we want to know as well. So that's part of um, of, of holding these hearings. But it is alarming that it's 20 times greater. And I've worked in this, this field for, for such a long time and it's getting worse, not better. So we need to remember that this, this commission is around uh, systemic injustices of first, for first peoples within Victoria, and that why question is so important as we go into these hearings.
1: Absolutely. and I know that the Eurojustice Justice Commission is currently yeah looking into injustices against first mm. people's children and their families in Victoria and the child protection system. Could you tell us more about the actual commission
6: process and what it really aims to achieve? So The commission is, it, you look mean truth in Whamba Whamba language. It's the first royal commission into truth-telling, truth and justice within Australia and it's Victorian-led by Victorian First Peoples. Um, and so we're looking at these systemic injustices from colonisation right through to... Um, to current, so historic as well as contemporary. Uh, with particularly uh, child protection and criminal justice, there are our first two themes, for a better word. Um, you know, we need to look at the injustices of both because it's a bit of a pipeline, right? So the children that go in child protection end up in the criminal justice system, end up in youth detention, end up in prison. The systems are failing. Um, the systems are failing our people, and we need to know why. So we'll have three blocks of hearings. The first uh, of the three is focused on evidence from leaders of our Aboriginal organisations and service providers, um, as well as, you know, sort of leading experts in their area. Then we've got a block in February, and that's the opportunity for voices, a community voice for first peoples that have been touched by this system. So there'll be several hearings around that in um February and then in March is the final block and, and that will see government and institutions give evidence. That's where we'll be asking a lot of the why. Yeah. We need these hearings to gather the evidence to be able to have really strong recommendations to be able to implement at the end of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think getting to, you know, as you've mentioned, getting to the why is so hugely important in this case. And mm. I think also, as you've mentioned, the system has failed... I think failure is also such an understatement, these children and families. Um, Do you think that the system has failed or is it set up to do exactly what it was really designed to? And as you've mentioned, there's so much like systemic crossover between like welfare, youth, criminal justice, quote unquote systems. Um, Yeah, yeah,
6: including at the... We've got to be really clear that we're not looking at individual stories, but those individual stories make up the collective systemic injustices that have happened. Mm -hmm. So we need to look at those for evidence, and that will guide us of where to go and have a look at. We know these these aren't new issues. There's a lot of evidence around a lot of issues out there, and and we notice them. I mean, we've we've seen it, and, and I think every week there's another story in the paper around an injustice. It's not new. But it's just increasing, not decreasing, and this is this is the issue. You know that some of these tragedies could have been prevented, or these outcomes, and there's multitude of reports and inquiries that say the same thing over the last decade. And bringing government to the stand to ask why, why, why haven't you changed these, given there's so many reports? You know, it's not lost on us this is nothing new, and that we're still asking the same questions. The state needs to understand the story of colonisation of the land and the devastating and lasting impact of colonisation. And if we can join those dots, we have a better understanding that it's not just now. It's, it's, colonisation didn't just happen back then, it's a continuation. And so to look at how the systems have, have failed us from the start right through to now is really important. But it's also important that people understand and are able to join the dots of what happened during colonisation and how that is still happening and impacting on Aboriginal people today. Yeah, knowing the ongoing impact is
1: hugely important. And I think yeah. also, um, I know that, you know, you are also a have worked as a child and family services practitioner. Yeah. Um, and you could probably see every day how challenging it is for First Nations children and parents to actually navigate the child protection system would yeah. you mind speaking
6: to maybe what you've what you've seen or the general themes? Yeah, it's um, you know I've done that for 20 years, so I bring with me a lot of stories from a lot of kids, and, and you know I bring them into this commission with me in my heart to to get to this. You know, if you're if you're struggling to even keep housing or to get a job or to get your children to school, like. You, and then you're trying to navigate a system that just wants more and more from you. Look, I know, I'm, I'm a single mum, and as a single parent, I struggle at times, you know, to make appointments or to, to go to things, and the system puts extra pressure, and I think we need to look at the system as a whole. Um, there's been instances where they say, things you can have your children back if you get housing. There's a housing crisis. How are they either going to get housing? Or, you know, you're... You, you're struggling um, to get them to school, they may not even have a car. Um, or there's stuff going on that, you know, there's family violence. Or, you know, there's other things than just the child protection system that go on in people's lives. Unless we nurture people through probably what would be one of the most traumatic things in your life, having your child, then we nurture people. And at the start, we have a plan to get these children back, not just keep them in the system. We can, we can do so much more than just remove children. Um, it, it is heartbreaking and, and it is a bit soul destroying at times, but you know, there's glimmers of hope in there and that's from our mob that fight every day to get their children returned. And you know, I don't take, I take those lessons that I've learned off my people within those systems. I don't take them lightly and I bring them with me into the commission to, to see a, some hope.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hope is important. And I think speaking on hope, how do you I mean, how can we actually improve the system? What's actually getting in the way of doing that, do you believe?
6: Yeah, so well this goes to the heart of what we do or what we intend to do at Uruk. So our recommendations will address those systemic injustices. Um, the hope is that we uh, we aren't just a normal Royal Commission. We get to do things sort of a bit more our way, um, that we do have coercive powers to bring people to the stand and, and answer the questions. But we also, uh, treaties running at the same time. So our recommendations don't just, aren't gonna be something that just sits on a shelf. There's something that we hand, not only to the government, but to the Peoples Assembly, which makes us as Aboriginal people accountable as well, and then we've got a driver to push these changes through. That's the, that's the hope, in, in you know, it's not just another Royal Commission. Can I also say we aren't just looking at the, the stories of doom and gloom of our people, but we also want to tell our truth about our stories of resilience, our stories of survival, um, and how we've endured inequality, loss. Sacrificing injustices, and we're still here. And so, we want to uh, not just we want to celebrate that we're still here, even though we're still fighting injustices. Um, and what we want from our people is to come forward and be able to give submissions through through our website, or we can support them however that looks. So the process isn't just constant hearings. There will be private hearings. There will be roundtables. We will be going out country to do them. They won't won't all be televised and they won't all be in an office or in our hearing room. Um, The way we can improve it is make sure that we've got strong enough um, evidence and that a lot of people have come forward and shed light on their experiences um, because that's the way we, we can investigate properly with enough stories to be able to to join the dots to the systemic injustice that we know is happening, um, happening constantly. But these hearings that are coming up, um, that start on Monday, they're live streamed. And I really, really encourage you know, all Victorians to go on the UWOOK website. I'm just going to plug it here a bit. So it's uh, Uruk, which is A Z. All our documents are up there, all our submission forms are up there, things we've already done. I do encourage people to look at our interim report and go through. We've got links to elders telling their stories. So make sure you're OK. To, 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 to go. so we're going to hear in the next few weeks stories of, of heartbreak, of you know, but they're not new. You just need to remember this isn't new. And I sometimes question myself of why we're we still asking these questions and why do we have the government's inability to act um, when these have been brought up so many times.
1: Yeah, they sound like they're going to be really powerful and dynamic and important. But yeah, as you said, it's really important that all Victorians, Australians show up, um, and really listen to what's being said because it is devastating that it, we're still hearing the same thing over and over again, but yeah. there is hope in the, in the commission. And, um, thank you so much for joining us here today, Commissioner Suan. I hope you have um, a lovely day and we'll definitely put all the links, uh, to uh, everything in the show notes. Annette, thank you so much for your time. So we just heard from Commissioner Sue Ann Hunter, who is a proud Wurundjeri, Nure, Alumorong woman and Deputy Chair and Commissioner with the Uruk Justice Commission. And she joins us today to speak on the Uruk Justice Commission's upcoming investigation into the impact of child protection and criminal justice system on First Peoples in Victoria. So you've just listened to that really important interview. And just a reminder that you can actually watch the public hearings that have already occurred from the 5th to the 16th of December on the URIC website, which we will put in the show notes. And we also know that this content, uh, this interview and also throughout this show can be distressing. So if you need someone to talk to, please contact 13YARN, which is 139276, to talk with the Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander Crisis Support Uh, Worker, available 24-7.
0: You're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR, 855 AM. And we're going to go to a new track. This is dropped just today. This is Hell No by Fluent.
4: would they celebrate our pain pain. how would you know if you never felt the same same. when the pain still relevant today Today. so that's why together we gotta say Are you brave enough to stand with me? Defend my rights as well as my friends and family. Give me encouragement when everybody doubting me. Say that you're a true friend, yeah, and that you're proud of me. Associated with those that are mostly hated because they fight for their culture that's devastated and taken. Never be mistaken. It wasn't negotiated. If White Australia's plan worked, most of us wouldn't have made it. And that's the truth. Just accept real change in this country needs to be black-led. Listen to the elders here. They accent, the reflection of a knowledge from Back when there was a time we were connected to land and the spirit. Everybody listens, but only a few hear it. Truth in the lyrics, those in the power spirit. I say what I mean, and I mean what I say to clear hell oh, no. How long would they celebrate our pain? How would you know if you never felt the same? When the pain's still relevant today? So that's why together we gotta say, Oh, no. Just give us an applause, it ain't enough to say you down with the cause. Real support will take more than talk, gang, good enough to give us prayers and thoughts, we want more, give us self-determination, give us say within our nation, don't be sitting there complacent, let the artists be creative, well we asking pretty basic, only hate it if you're racist, and I really had to say this, so it's up to you to face it, don't sit in comfort in the face of injustice, i more suffer from the old to the youngest, I hear the pain from my sisters and brothers, and it's the same for the ones that above us, real allies
0: understand the true history, and the
4: willingness to speak out Against our misery. So, if you're down to play the part that's visionary, well, then get at the see My buddy now will start to sing with me. How long will they celebrate our pain? Our pain. How would you know if you never felt the same? Felt the same. When the pain's still relevant today? today, so that's why together we gotta say. Oh, no.
0: you're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. And that was the new track that has just dropped by Fluent today for Invasion Day, Hell No.
2: On Tuesday, the 23rd of January, the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, VALS, hosted a panel discussion about the child protection and youth justice systems, reversing colonization and ending Aboriginal deaths in custody. This is an edited excerpt of the discussion hosted by Val CEO Narita Waite and featuring panelists Sissy Austin, Nayuka Gori and Tyson Lovett Murray. Listen back to the full conversation and donate to support Val's vital work for the Victorian Aboriginal community by heading to vals.org.au.
0: org dot AU and before we head into that, I just might reiterate that reminder that this content can be distressing. So if you do need to talk to someone, uh, there is a dedicated uh, crisis and conversation line for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, and that's one three yarn one three nine two seven six.
7: Hello, everyone. I would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wurundjeri people as traditional custodians of the land that I'm on today, which is our office at 273 High Street, Preston, and I pay my respects to the Elders past and present. I also acknowledge that we are all on Aboriginal land across Australia, sovereignty was never ceded, uh, always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I'm Narita Waite, I'm a proud Yorta Yorta, Narindiri woman with Tanurong connections and lucky enough to be the CEO of the Victorian Legal Service. Working for VALS has been a journey that has allowed me to experience so many sides of the criminal justice and child protection systems, where sadly the impacts of invasion and colonist ideologies still pervade. We see the legacy of racism and violence, which causes harm to our clients, Aboriginal people, their families and their communities each and every day. As Vowels marks its 50th anniversary as one of Australia's oldest community legal services this year, we look back on our fight for justice, our fight to put a stop to systemic racism, and our fight to end Aboriginal deaths in custody. This has been an ongoing struggle for our people since the day the British colonisers invaded our lands. Our culture survived despite the harmful injustices that have been inflicted on us for 234 years and given us strength to continue the struggle for justice. We know that through connection to culture, community and country, we can pave the way to a brighter and more just future for our people. Today's amazing panel will share their wisdom and expertise with us throughout this process. First up, I'll welcome Sissy Austin. Sissy, would you like to introduce yourself?
8: Hi, my name's Sissy Austin. I'm a Gudnichamara Kirai Warong Japarong woman. Um, Woke up on Waterong country, uh, but work down here on Wurundjeri country. And um, yeah, I work in politics and First Nations women's health and yeah, community
7: organiser. Thank you, Sissy. We also have on our panel today Tyson Lovett Murray. Welcome, Tyson. Would you like to introduce yourself?
9: Uh, yeah, thanks, Narita. Yeah, my name's Tyson Lovett murray um, I'm a boy from South West Victoria, um, currently a park ranger, um, worked in other roles, formerly worked at the Legal Service and um, Dali Manwara in Melbourne as well. Um, happy to be here.
7: Thank you, Tyson. Unfortunately, Val's Tani and Onus Williams wasn't able to join us today, but luckily for us, in her place, we're joined by Nia Nayuka, would you like to introduce yourself?
10: Yeah, I'm Nayuka. I'm a Gunnayaka and I'm a Gunnitmara, person. Um, I'm here on Burundjeri Country. Um, yeah, I'm a, an essayist and screenwriter um, and also a committee member of the Incarcerated Trans and Gender Diverse Fund, which is a mutual aid project um, providing funds to um, trans and gender diverse people who are locked up or criminalised. Um, yeah, and a bunch of other things, I suppose, but that's what I'm saying today.
7: We are pushing the Victorian government to raise the age of criminal responsibility to at least 14. Um, this has been a long and arduous fight. Many of our children and young people are funneled through the child protection system and residential care before they're, in, before they're incarcerated. Why is the child protection system failing our children so badly, and how can we stop the harm it is doing to our communities? Sissy, would you like to start? Um,
8: yeah, it's a massive question, and I guess, you know, my input into it is only, you know, minor within within the whole community and the stories and experiences and, you know, solutions that our communities have. But why is the child protection failing... Our system, our children, and feeding you know into the justice system. It's it's a heartbreaking reality that you know Aboriginal kids, our kids, are having to experience a system that was built to destroy us as a people. Um, and you know you hear. Those on the other side talk about it being, you know, a system that protects children from harm and um, removes children from unsafe, you know, situations. And, you know, there's no safer place than, you know, Koori kids being with us, with community, um, you know, surrounded by elders, aunties, uncles, um And it's, yeah, it's kind of a thing that I've been on as a kinship carer and I completely, you know, honour the stories and the journeys of the young people that I've cared for over the years. Um, I've cared for quite a few um, family members over the years and every single Koori child has a story Of their own but something that stands out you know is the isolation and the disconnection from siblings from parents from community and there's only so much that deadly carers can do to heal the hurting hearts of our young ones who just want to be you know with mum with dad um yeah it's, it's broken hearts and it's a system that's failing our kids in every single element of their lives and carers, curry carers, are just trying to keep up with that, you know. Um, so, yeah, I guess there's not like one single answer to it other than if you look back at the history of how the system was built, like particularly child protection down here in Victoria and the intentions of why it was built and who it was built for. Um, you've really got to get back to those um, initial elements of the child protection system to understand why it's failing um, our young ones. And, you know, out of frustration, I did write that piece around the child protection system and I got quite obsessed with, you know, invest investigating it and doing all this reading and I was trying to understand why I was so angry and so frustrated at the system whilst caring for my family members and just having child protection in my house nearly every day and like having to deal with just all the stuff, the daily stuff. And my kind of coping mechanism was doing all this research to understand, you know, where it originates, why it originated and, um, And you really, once you do understand that, then you see um, how it still haunts, you know, it haunts our kids and is controlling our kids and, um, yeah.
7: Just in response to what you said, I just wondering if you could elaborate on, you talked about um, how... Um, you know, you, you did that reflection and that work on looking at um the history um and the operations of the system. And um there's a lot of talk always about self determination and the child protection system, but for you with your experiences and with the knowledge that you've gained, um, is that a pathway to a solution? Um, and how would they actually move towards that, if at all?
8: There's absolutely no real authentic self-determination within the child protection system and I speak from a place of experience and seeing it play out and um, particularly, um, and I know my sister won't mind yarning about it, but you realise the lack of self-determination in our mothers fighting for our babies and our mothers um self-determining their children's lives when, you know, you're standing out the front of child protection with a mother laying on the ground in tears. Like when you go to a court hearing and, you know, the court determines the life of each individual young person and as much as our, we've got amazing workers in community doing as much as, you know, they can and we can to um, make, the daily struggle that tiny bit, you know, easier with having blackfellas working in the space and um, that's just like there's no self-determination in that when you're already being controlled through this system, through child protection and then um, there being court orders that say specifically what you can and can't do with that child. So where those orders are already made, it's, it's those orders are already made. And then there's a referral potentially to like section 18, which is something that's, um, being rolled out across our state. But my criticism of section 18 is that the decisions have already been made in the courts in the child protection system, um, who you know, mates with the courts in a really um, intimidating and actually scary, violent way. Um, so I absolutely acknowledge the work that our people are doing on the ground, like, in trying to make this work so it doesn't add as much trauma. But, yeah, like, I couldn't give you an example of where there has been self-determination I feel like, you know, as a kinship carer about the only thing you can decide um over the young person, the family member that you're caring for is, you know, what they're going to eat <laughs> and that's like what it literally came down to, you know, it's, it's you know, you have to fight for what school you want them to go to, you want them to go to the school with all the Kuri kids, it's like, well, why, like they've got to go, you know, to this one or that one and then it's... um it's a multitude of things, and um, it's it's just incredibly frustrating. And I <laughs> shout out to any kinship carers that are watching this because I know the struggle, and I'm here. And um, whilst I'm not a kinship carer anymore for the first time in my entire twenties, I I do want to not let the pain and hurt that I've seen and witnessed and experienced go by the wayside. because um, our kids, yeah, need us to keep on fighting whilst they're silenced by the system.
10: Can I, um, yeah, no can I jump know. in there? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's funny because I was yeah, kinship of carer for over a year um and I'd message Sissy. So like these C words, um <laughs> Yes, so thank you for your solidarity during that time, Susie. Um, I think there's two parts to the question. Uh The first was around um, the age of criminal responsibility and then the next part was around um, the role of uh, child theft, uh, funnelling our kids into that system. I think the, with the age of criminal responsibility stuff, um, I think, like, as an abolitionist, I really struggled with the conversation um, because 14 feels like, 14 feels like a compromise. Um, and I, like, I, I, understand the logic of it from a campaigning perspective, but I think we should, personally, I think we should be pushing. We get more when we demand more. Um, which is something Dean Spade, a trans, um, lawyer, yeah, a quote of his. So yeah, I, I do worry that by pushing I think we can demand for more, but I understand that, yeah, for people kind of jaded by the system, 14 feels like the compromise they can live with, but 15 and 16 and 17, are, are, yeah, I think no kid should be locked up. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone should be locked up. I think prisons shouldn't exist. Anyway, so that's, yeah, the criminal responsibility stuff, but thinking particularly about, how the logics that inform um, child safety um, are related to are ver- they're very pastoral logics. So I think that it's a system like it's a continuation of genocide. If we think about like not being able to, you know, wipe us all out and then trying to assimilate us. Um, it's yeah, like Sissy said, this is just this is just a, another part of that. I think it's also. Um, so it's, yeah, this, there's, I think this really big, there's a strong relationship between colonialism and genocide and also, um, carceral and like racist logics informing it. I think, um, it's not necessarily broken. I think it's really, I think the system is doing what it's designed to do. It punishes black mothers. Um, it's constantly like sissy you note, know, like, the the goalpost is constantly shifting and, and like our it's like these impossible demands that are just made up by people um who have no relationship to the kids, your workers are constantly changing. Um it's yeah, it is it's a it's a it's it's a, it's a stupid system. Um but it feels like it is designed to punish black women. Um And also something I found as a carer really interesting was how the state tries to make you as the kinship carer part of their surveillance and part of their machinery. Um, and if you're not, yeah, if you're not thinking about it, um, it really tries to pit you against the parent. Um, so it's this like paternalism that's also um at play as well. I think if you're not, yeah, they really they try to get you on site and try to get information out of you, but all the while you know that they're taking notes. Um and no matter what they're building a case. Um yeah, so I think like yes, um obviously like cops suck and like screws suck, but also thinking about the role of the social worker in all of this. Um, as well. I think, um, a book that really helped me think about particularly the, um, the system of ch- like child safety, so called child safety, child theft, um, was Shattered Bonds by Dorothy Roberts, um, who's a black scholar from America. Um, she also had another really cool book called, um, Killing the Black Body, but she, in Shattered Bonds, she talks about how it's a system, at least in America, designed to um, punish black mothers, and I think it definitely applies
9: here.
7: Um, yeah. and do you have any reflections to add to that discussion so far?
9: Um, yeah, I, I, unlike these two um, people, uh, Sissy and Nyuka, I'm not a, I've never been a kinship carer, but I did have a conversation with an Aunt uh, recently about um, her experiences as a carer, and To speak to um I suppose what Noike was saying about the um you know the surveillance from the state um for them to build cases and things like that, like they did share that they um' part of their experience um they don't believe in permanent care as black fellows they they believe in keeping kids with community and family and connecting with country and things like that um and they their, their experience was that they were almost like sort of the, the department had tried to force them to do permanent care. Um, which it was really sort of frustrating for them. And then also, like, the other thing that they mentioned was that, um, that there's, there's still barriers in the way of sort of taking kids to return to country trips and things like that. But there's not enough resources. A lot of the trips that, um, this person had done, um, for the, the kids that they were caring for, um, they did off their own back and, or, or if they got resources, they had to jump through too many hoops, um, and things like that. And it gets really frustrating and, and things like that. Um, they also mentioned like they sort of feel after they take on kids, they feel out of sight, out of mind with the department as well. Um, but yeah, other than that, like they've had, um, yeah, they just, they feel like they sort of need more resources to do, um, do more with the kids. Um, you know, like, as Sissy mentioned, you know, the impacts of colonisation and, like, our communities are still clawing our ways out of um, poverty and things like that. And then you'll get community members who put their hand up who are in a position to take on these kids and um, do the best they can. Um, you know, they certainly need, need more resources, um, from what I heard, um, to, to keep these kids um, connected and, and back with family, which is a, a deeply uh, cultural principle for our communities. Um, and, you know, if there's anything they can do to remove those barriers... Um, the better, I guess, but I suppose, like, Sissy and I across this stuff a lot more than what I am, yeah.
10: um, I might just also jump in there. Um, something I forgot to talk about was the relationship between child safety and criminalisation. So often, um, so when kids do, when kids behave like kids, particularly if they're, um, like, stolen from their families, sort of normal kid behaviour or responses to this violence from the state becomes criminalised. So, you know, warrants will be put out um, if they do abscond or, if you know, if they take off or that sort of thing. Um, and then also for kids, um, so like Sissy and I talked speaking to the kinship care um, experience, but also our kids in resi care are at such risk of being criminalised if they do, um, you know, very, not, you know, normal kids stuff that if you did it in the home would just be dealt with in the family. So, you know, someone, well, firstly, they lock up food. Anyway, that's weird. Yeah. But once again, carceral logic informing the way our kids are cared for. Um, but say someone puts a hole in the wall, um, which, you know, happens in, you know, Kids or kids or whatever, then suddenly the the department is goes to the police to get a to get that on file so that they can take that to the insurance so it becomes a criminal matter, and our kids and like this this also has a long history um. When we got our grandmother, my great grandmother's records back from when she was stolen, every time she took off from the home, um, that she was at over at Parkville, which is now a kids prison, um, she would, she would get picked, like a warrant basically would go out and there's like, we have records of her absconding. I just find that, yeah, that sort of ongoing continuation stuff really interesting, but there is a very, I guess what I'm saying is, so while they're all, like these systems are informed by the same logic. So There's also a very clear, like, very, very clear, um, I guess, criminalising, like, sequence of events that the department put our kids through. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right.
7: I think we. I mean, the the obvious one that we always use is, you know, the hole in the wall. But um, here at Bowes, we've seen children criminalised for spilt milk. Um, and the removal of food um, and that really puts children on that criminalisation pathway um, and they start to move up the sentencing sort of hierarchy really quite quickly. And then we're suddenly talking about, you know, periods on remand, um, periods on sentence um, and then, you know, that ultimate pathway uh, often, unfortunately, leads to adult prisons and that's why we've seen the imprisonment rate has most doubled um, over the last 10 years. Um, In Victoria alone, um, they're talking about jurisdictions. Uh, And, you know, where initiatives are put in place to decriminalise children, like the Decriminalisation framework in residential care, those frameworks aren't applied, and there's no oversight of those frameworks. Um, There's no reporting on those frameworks. All the things that they say they put in place to try and reduce these instances, they're not meaningfully implemented. It's purely symbolic. Um, I think that goes back to the history you talk about.
2: We just heard an edited expert of a panel discussion about the child protection and youth justice systems reversing colonisation and ending Aboriginal deaths in custody, hosted by Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service CEO Narita Waite and featuring panellists Sissy Austin, Nayuka Gori and Tyson Lovett-Murray. You can listen back to the full conversation and donate at vals.org.au and as with the rest of our content this morning I understand that it can be distressing for some listeners so if you need to talk to someone or you're not feeling great you can contact 13 yarn that is 139276, to talk with an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander crisis supporter available 24 7.
1: And now we will go to a song called This Is Australia by Meru Juku. We
2: <laughs> <laughs> just want to party,
4: like a can for two, put up your thumbs, all the days you owe again, 40's up tonight, can't just get over it, you know should be right, we just want a barbie, crack a camp too. two, put upon your arms, all today is true, oh, around the space something's gotta give, can you just go home,
8: find a
3: place
1: to live, this
3: is Australia, look how I'm killing ya, you. locking your children up. Look how I'm hearing you. Locking your children up. filling my prisons up. This is Australia. Look how I'm treating you. Say there's no room for you. Quick to forget your name. This is Australia. in my area. Locking you up. Cause white made me scared of you. Yeah, yeah. I'ma go into this. Ah, uh-uh. ah. history. Yeah, yeah. Locking up refugees. Ah, uh-uh. ah. Fearin' us, nah not nah. knowing who we are.
4: Yeah, yeah, Check you in madness, cause this is Australia. Oh, tell somebody, you can kill somebody. Kill you, tell somebody. Sure, you told me, get your land back, black man. 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 Back, black
3: man. Back, black man. Uh, this is Australia. Look how you're killing us, locking our children up. This is Australia, look how I'm fearing you, locking our children up, filling your prisons up. Take the pulse of a nation, you can see the fear, so casual with the racism, you're in denial here. Walk around with your face screwed up, we can see it clear, you want us all locked up, hood strapped on, down style, brother, can you hear? We ain't be asking for much, just want our land back. Brunch. Never ever got on a bar yeah, man. We're I'm in? With Roger E. I'm dude, yo, man. They want us to in the up, or getting shot by that cop.
0: That was This Is Australia, performed by Marugeku, and uh, listeners might have caught that. uh, That's a cover of, or a remake of This Is America by Childish Gambino, but just... An incredible, uh, an incredible riff off that, um, covering the violence, the genocidal dispossession um, that should be front of all of our minds on this day, Invasion Day, the 26th of January, and really encourage our listeners to have the full visual experience by heading to YouTube and looking up "This is Australia" by Marugaku, M-A-R-R-U-G-E-K-U, so that you can uh, see that full, um, yeah, that that full performance. It is. Um, really, really powerful and uh, a really important reminder for all uh, all colonisers, occupiers on this land. Um, now, in that vein, uh, we just wanted to remind you of a roundup of rallies that are happening around the country today. So, uh, first up, uh, if you are in Melbourne today. The Invasion Day rally begins at 11 a.m. at Victorian Parliament House. The Invasion Day protest Stop the War Treaty now. Uh, so encourage people to start heading down there, um, you know, uh, with a little, uh, you know, a little bit early. Make sure uh, that you have your water bottles, that you have, um, you know, sunscreen and that you're ready to show up and stand up and lend your voice to um, a really important fight against the colony. Um, and then after that, uh, I mean, there's also going to be a rally on in New South Wales in uh, in Sydney at Belmore Park from 9.30 a.m. And uh, this is Invasion Day, Survival Day and Day of Mourning March. And that's being run by Justice for David Dungay Jr. and uh, Fighting in Solidarities towards Treaties. Um, do you want to go to Queensland?
11: Yep. So
2: in Queensland at 10 a.m. today, uh, Queens Gardens, Brisbane City, there is the Invasion Day Rally in Mianjin ja- on Jagara and Turbal Land. Then you can find the uh, Tasmanian Rally. Uh, it begins at 10.45am today. So that's the Invasion Day Rally in Nipaluna, Hobart on Palawa Land. And over to WA at 12pm in Burilu, at Forest Chase, Perth City, WA, you can attend the uh, Perth In- Invasion Day Gathering and March held on Whadjuk Noongar country. Uh, and also, I just wanted to mention from 2.30pm to 11pm, you can attend the Rubibi Survival Day uh, celebration, well, sorry, um, event. Uh, on Dugunyaru land in Broome at the Gimme Gimme Club WA.
0: Um, There's also a South Australian rally in, uh, that's at Tarndanya Victoria Square, and that goes from 12 to 4.30 p.m. It's a survival day march, and um, organisers are uh, asking people to come and stand in solidarity on the 26th of January. Um, And in the ACT, there is the Sovereignty Day Isabel Co. Memorial Lecture and Aboriginal Tent Embassy event at 9.30 a.m., which is starting on the lawns of Parliament in ACT um, on uh, Ngunnawal and Nambri country. And uh, for listeners who will be staying with us from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. for our Invasion Day broadcast and dedicated First Nations programming, we're hoping to bring you uh, some of the recordings from that event. Um, and, uh, yeah, I really uh, encourage people to, uh, you know, keep an eye on uh, – I know NITV usually does a, a live roundup of events that are happening around the country, so keep an eye out for that. Um, I also know that 4 Z Radio in Mingen are going to be broadcasting some of the rally that's happening up there as well. So really just encouraging people to stay tuned wherever you are. Stay tuned to 3CR 855 AM. And we're also going to be having, hopefully, interviews and live catch-ups throughout the day uh, with folks from various different rally sites um, with a bunch of different perspectives, um, hopefully talking to uh, Tony Green from Darty Monwaro and The Strong Spirit Show on 3CR and Uncle Tel Chaco Edwards uh, from Balamois Show on 3CR. So you're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR, 855 5, AM.
4: They tell us what to do When they push us around And then they have the goal To go and rip off the ground
5: Join 3CR from 9 AM 4pm on Thursday the 26th of January for our annual Invasion Day broadcast. 3CR's First Nation presenters will be broadcasting live from the Stop the War, Treaty Before Voice rally and march in Melbourne. We'll be bringing you black and deadly music, news and views from activists across the continent with grassroots politics that you won't find anywhere else as we discuss genocide, sovereignty, treaty, Pay the rent, death in custody, truth and justice, and the law of the land. So keep tuned, FreeCR, on Thursday, the 26th of January,
4: 2023.
1: And now we will go to a pre-record from earlier this week. Natalie Davey from community radio station Waki Radio in Fitzroy Crossing joined 3CR's Emma Hart to speak about the impact of the recent flooding in the Kimberley. This is part one of their conversation and donate to the community support-led recovery by visiting mwrc.com.au and we'll also have that linked in our show notes.
12: I'm Natalie Davey. I'm from, I'm a broadcaster at Wongi Radio 936 AM in Fitcher Crossing, which is in the Kimberley. Um, I'm also, uh, Bunaba, which is, uh, the river mob from, uh, the country I'm on at the moment and Wamanjedi from the great sandy desert, as well as got, um, the Cornish and, uh, the Scottish that came in for the gold rush, uh, once upon a time. <laughs> so. That's my current role. And yeah, I'm, I'm based at Wongi Radio, which um, it's called Wongi Yubanana uh, <laughs> um, which means um, sending words. So Wongi means word in momajeri and it means, you know, sending out a message. And so that was the whole purpose of, you know, what we're doing at uh, Wongi. Our old people set that up a long time ago because they understood that um, we needed a place where, our word, um Fitcher Costing has, you know, um several different languages that were brought in. So we're on Bunuba country, but we have Guniandi, Wamajedi, uh Yiganah, Wonka and um Yigana and many more that are around here as well as, you know, the Kimberley Creole and Australian Standard English. it's um important that everybody is heard in their own languages.
11: And it seems as though it's been more important than ever over the last couple of weeks to have that line of communication as things have unfolded. Yes.
12: One of the, yeah, just the great things about Wongi being um, uniquely positioned is the fact that um, we're an AM, so we actually get over um, a broader range of terrain, especially here in the Kimberley. We um, get to at least 40 uh, communities that around the Fitro Valley, Dungu which is the language program I do with my father, is also picked up by Packham. So we heard um, broadcast right around the Kimberley and into the Pilbara. So, yeah, we have quite a wide reach for our local um, community as well as, you know, the stuff we've been doing on social media through Facebook and um, our Instagram. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
11: And, uh, social media is actually how I, um, yeah, came across, um, Wongi and your program. Um, but before we get into that in more detail, maybe we can just uh, speak about the uh, immense events that have been unfolding, um, in Fitzroy Crossing and across the Kimberley, um, over the last month. Um, so I understand the Fitzroy River peaked at like 15.8 metres on January the 4th, um, and yeah, are you able to speak a bit about what the flooding was like in Fitzroy Crossing around that week?
12: Oh, yeah. So, uh, we're a community and, um, that are used to flood time, like this is our, um, Idla, which is, uh, our wet season in Wamajeri. Uh, <laughs> and so there's a couple of communities where I am in Donganiya and there's another community next to us called Bangadi. There's, uh, brooking channel which is what we call a little bridge that cuts our road access um, quite often so on the 29th we'd all been in um to get that was the 29th of um, november we were all in got our stocks went home knew we were going to be cut off we do have a footbridge that we have um we can have walking access into town all of that was quite regular um and then starting new year's day it started turning into something quite different and that's when um, the first um, um, people were evacuated from uh, the two communities on um, my side of the, you know, where where we have positions. And one of the things that I hit first was I was getting messages from my niece going, there's water, the water's starting to come into um, the house. Um, we don't know who to call and like the regular um, numbers weren't answering. I got. Um, transferred around to um, told to ring other numbers and thankfully a regional office in Kananara rang me back and gave me the person on the ground who um, had been flown in with visa who wasn't really helpful. So what we did was through our own local contacts we knew um, the current heads park ranger uh, Cooksey and also the Bunaba Rangers, there were two boats. They were the ones who started coming out and were the first responders for us. And that was done through our local networks, which was just incredible. So I just want to give a big, you know, shout out to those heroes who were the first ones out there. As, and, um, there's, um, other mob, of course, but then, um, most of Bungaree was, uh, evacuated by the second, um, and on the third, you said you know how you said that it peaked on the 4th we were evacuated and the last um people in Delgania were also evacuated there was about 12 of us um that were the last to come in and it was just it was an inland sea i'd never like you know as aboriginal people you orientate wherever you are and we literally couldn't work out where we were and like we're on our own country and it was really difficult um to see where we were because we, you know, we were on a boat halfway up the side of um, power lines that we usually drive along, but now we're boating and the water was so rough, it was it was just really disorienting. At my house, it had started coming through the floor by the time they came and got us, and it was it, the flood had spread out everywhere and then stopped. It couldn't spread anymore, and it just rose so quickly, and that's what caught. A lot of us um which was just extremely uh scary and intense, so from the i my house looks out on the river and seeing the water coming from behind me, all the creeks that we know fill and move up there, but to for that to turn into this massive rips that um was coming underneath my house through my cars smashing into the river and then being pushed back around like a massive eddy and splashing up on my veranda was just something else yeah it was a lot I I yeah I didn't sleep much that evening it was extremely intense that I've never been through anything like that before
11: in my life Mm. that sounds really terrifying and yeah that 15.8 i think it's like two meters higher than the previous one on record i read so that's really different and also in you posted a a video from your porch before you um evacuated and Mm. yeah it just the water looks immense um and i also saw that there there were two groups of like very soggy and scared looking wallabies like Mm -hmm. um on on your veranda because that was like the safest place for them to be the highest place it just yeah
12: yeah that was um that's another part of the loss that you know there's so many many animals there was my cousin who was up at the old post office there was a point in the evening that was she was like can you hear the cows and between her place and my place there was just a
6: huge
12: herd of cows by the morning there was only three left that could handle standing there and it was just so heartbreaking and trying to like check the water but not skid animals from you know they would take off and jump back into the water and then ripped out um for me to be able to check where the water was at but also not interrupt them so because they only e- clinging to very small spaces it was just yeah i had the pig there was a pig on the um other veranda there was a broga that was in the same spot for hours and hours but the next day i couldn't see it it's just there's a lot of that kind of stuff that I'm um, still, we haven't kind of processed and go, went through just, you know, that space, let alone
11: everything that's happening now. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing about that, uh, really terrible experience that I'm sure y- you and everyone else are still trying to understand. In terms of where, where things are at mm-hmm. now, um, you mentioned your language program, um, Dangajara, that you present on mm-hmm. Monkey Radio. Along with your father, Bullen Rogers, usually. Um, and I saw that, um, when you presented, uh, with your mum, Carolyn, today, um, the Walmadori, uh, word of the day was, um, mandu. Uh, could you explain what, what that means? Yeah.
12: That means stink oh, or stinking. So, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, uh, yeah, dad couldn't join this today and mum was, um, gracious enough to, uh, get up early and join me for Dumbo um, as things happen depending whether it's the season or what's relevant for that time that's where we pick our words of the day and because my father is a fluent woman speaker we generally speak um, keep our woman um our words woman so it just it's the stink of like once the flood goes down there's a lot of mud and that has a lot of debris in it so there's a certain smell of it sometimes mud is there's good mud and bad mud but this kind of mud you don't want to be in because there's lots of things that can make you sick as well as you know all the carcasses and just debris and it's uh, kind of gross but there's also um people do use it when they're going oh that's a terrible joke um use it in that way as well like oh that joke stinks um so you know there's always depending on the context you can use all the on words for something else but yeah it's it's a lot of fun doing it that way
11: so I guess with that as like a point of departure, like what's the situation like in Fitzroy Crossing now? Um, it's still hectic, but in quite a
12: different way. So, um, for myself, uh, and watching my community go around, um, I had to get a mental health plan in place for myself because we, it was, one of the main things that you kind of need first up or when you're being displaced that's quite difficult is just sleeping. So everybody is still kind of on high alert. So, you know, that fight, flight, worried about your life then being um, moved. Um, learning how to just, um, well, one of the things is contracting all my muscles and as I let them go, breathe out to tell my body I'm safe, I can sleep. Um and but now it's just sort of um waiting and all and the biggest thing that Wongi does is uh, try to channel some of that information because a part of um not knowing is um, more triggers of like I don't know if I can get home, when I can get home, what does that look like, what does clean up look like?
0: Um at,
12: at people who are evacuated um and they can't get home are worried that, you know, stuff is going to be thrown out without their permission or if stuff they want to keep and try and recover the information on what, um, how we could recover stuff if it's possible at all. And that's kind of been sort of my main focus from, um, you know, that evacuation, like where is the right information for the current time to mm-hmm. help with people's angst and just like, you know, we know our house is in damage. We know it's going to be some time, but just knowing what that process is will help with that anxiety. So. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, We get so many visits by different ministers and things like that. It's like, okay, can you you need to bring, like, from the first community meeting, um, put up all the points that still are getting cranked slowly and not communicated through all the, the red tape and bureaucracy. I think that's the first time I've said that correctly it's just ridiculous for um communities going through crisis. Like if that happens, whether it's a flood, fire, then, you know, I, I'm heartbroken for everybody who has to go through that and it needs to be improved a lot. So, yeah, there's, there's still a lot. It's hard to narrow in on uh which part. <laughs>
11: yeah. Well, before um we talk about how maybe listeners can pro- provide some support, um, let's you touched on the people who are evacuated so i understand almost 300 people were evacuated across the central kimberley and that some people by helicopter like um and uh that perhaps um maybe a bit less now but until quite recently around 150 people were staying in this small port town of derby so that's like um is it north northwest on the coast um but the road um the great northern highway uh which connects is um out at the moment and also the fitzroy crossing bridge is very damaged um and so there's real uncertainty around um well firstly supplies are an issue um and also people are still waiting for news as you mentioned about their homes um mm. yeah do you what, what's the feeling do, are, are you able to speak about um you know the people who are evacuated and waiting to come home
12: um Again, it all is about that,
11: um, not getting the information
12: um, uh, quick enough, not being able to have a um, the outside services, not um, establishing those lines of communication with um, local organizations, who's on the ground, um, who can talk for each community to be able to um, communicate back to their own mob depending on where they are. Um, which has follow on effects for, um, you know, people in Derby, people who live in, um, Broome as well. So a lot of it comes down to just not having the correct information when we need it. So as for food, there is regular food coming in. So for the west side, which is where Fitro Township is, that's coming via Derby and, um, by, but being brought by barge and then tracking it this way. Uh, food for the other side, um, for the east side is coming from trucks from Kananara stuff. And there, if now on that side, there has been a, um, ambulance and police and, uh, sort of town services set up as well as, you know, the clinic and things. So they can operate, but we are operating quite separately. So, you know, there's this constant thing of all of the, I'm up in the east or so on the west side on the east side. And it's like, hold on. We are just one community. So. Um having that separation is uh, difficult as well. Um, it's just really difficult to know when you're going to get you know your house assessment when you can possibly come home to have a look so you know what it looked like when it left. Um, I was able to go in with the rapid assessment team, um, I think it was last Tuesday by helicopter, and was able to at least take a photo. Of each of my community's houses so I could give to my family. Um, so it, but the information is in drips and drabs. And that's what is, I think is the hardest for people just not knowing and being displaced. And, um, it's really difficult. And that's one of the things that like being at Mwangi that we try to do, but then we have all sorts of issues with <laughs> it's the beginning of the wet season. Our, our, Station is on the west side. Our transmitter is out near eight mile on the east side.
0: So that was the first part of a conversation between Emma Hart from 3CR and Natalie Davey from community radio station Wangi Radio in Fitzroy Crossing with an update of on the recent flooding in the Kimberley. And before we head to part two of that conversation, we might play a little track. Um, this, oh, actually. Let me see. I actually don't believe that we have time to play a track because uh, we're, we've we actually only got time to go directly to the next part, so we might go to that now.
12: So a lot of the issues um, do come down to communication, uh, whether the lines of it or how um, information is put out. So the first community meeting that we had at the rec center, which is our um, Oval and Town Hall um everybody stood up to say that they wanted Wonky as the line of communication because you know that's our local system so one of the issues that we oh, one there's quite a few things that we've had um issues with so one we're not um yeah we're not funded as a emergency broadcaster so all of our um equipment and Things are quite outdated. We don't have the ability to be able to switch the um, transmitter over um, remotely. And that causes problems because uh, Wongi Studio is on the west side, so in the township where our transmitter is out near 8 Mile on the east side. So for us to be able to go and fix that, we need to organize with DFIS, an unknown time to be able to be um, dropped off by helicopter. uh manager gets dropped off, um, left there um, to fix problem, but then he also doesn't have a time when he can be picked up. It's not a regular, you know, drop you off, wait with you. They've got things that they need to do, so it really makes it quite difficult for us to maintain um, broadcasting, so for example, in the last seven days, we've been hit by lightning four times, which is just adds to quite a lot of the stress with um, working <laughs> remotely and in these con- conditions. So yeah, it's, it's quite a lot. <laughs> wow. Four
11: times. That's wild.
12: Mm, yeah. And this is the start of the season. So it's, you know, it's something that um, is going to keep happening and how we manage that um then time wise like it's so hectic um on the ground each day with just um compiling information or um all the different things and then me if i am like someone who is affected by floods can i get home is the creek down enough so i can get home with the correct ppe to reduce moisture in my house so i don't lose everything
11: to mold like there's There's a lot. Mm, It sounds like you are really in the thick of it, Natalie. And, yeah, I I think it also sounds as though um, Wongi Radio is a community radio station. Um, It it just sounds like as, you know, a station that's not funded as an emergency broadcaster, that it seems to be clearly the role um, that you're fulfilling at the current time. Um, And that's really amazing to do that with such limited resources, but not necessarily the way it should be.
12: No. No. Yeah. And like the bulk of our staff, um, have been, are all affected by flood waters. So, uh, three of us who are in there all have, um, can't go back to our home. So Ronita, my, myself, my dad, and we're all from different communities. Ronita, who's in town, um, the water came up so high, it went through her house and she's in a wheelchair and the difficulties with that are just, um, you know, uh, just, Oh, it's ridiculous like it just adds for everybody, so she's in a wheelchair that um gives her um bad back issues and stuff, and just trying to work out how to get that replaced or how they bring it in is just it adds layers to all the other layers
11: mm. yeah layers of mud let's call it that <laughs> extraordinarily challenging um Matt, mm-hmm. Matt- Maybe that's a good segue. I mean for people in the cities who might be listening in places that have not been impacted, what's mm. the best thing that we can do to support you right now?
12: Well the best thing to support us is to be able to give to the um, donate to our community uh, fund. so um, Manuwanagura or Man and women's Resource Center has a, a fundraiser set up. Um, which is, um, a hundred percent of that I know will go to the community and it will be done in a structured way as in we'll know every single house, uh, working with Bonabat to, you know, go through, um, each household. We know who's there. We can work out exactly what they've lost. I mean, in my community, <laughs> things like every single white good, uh, went under. I'm, I'm five four and a Almost my entire height went, um, of water went through my niece's house. And we couldn't get into it because everything had been pushed towards the door. Um, as well, like, and everything floats. It was amazing. But, um, yeah, because with other donations, we still don't have, um, post. Um, available. No mail is, we have no word on when, um, postage is coming in. In normal floods, after three days, if we're cut off, the road is cut off, it's air lifted in. We don't have that, um, and it, we're what, 23 odd days into it. Um, so sending care packages, all those kind of things, we don't have the capacity or storage to be able to manage it. So that's why donating to those funds really helps um for us for when we can start um looking at how we can get back or when we can get back and how we start rebuilding. I know it will be a very um structured and um checking in with what people actually need. I do wanna say like it's not um I don't want to put anybody off, you know, the whole thing. I I I know when people are watching from outside you feel helpless and you wanna do something more than just sort of donate to a fund Um, and, you know, taking clothes or I know there's been drives in Broome, but like our um, capacity at the moment to handle any of that is diminished and would um, actually adds pressure to us at this end, at this stage. At some point we will be able to do things like that, but, you know, trust the um, community, um, you know, watch Wongi. We can, we'll let you know when we have more capacity or, to be able to receive, um, actual things if you're wanting to send clothes or whatever. It's just, but also listen for what's requested. Um, yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of things. So all of that just, we're just
11: not at that stage yet. Mm. So listen to community. It's the real, I, I really feel that from you. Um, <laughs> there yeah. and um where where can people find the information about the fundraiser um if they would like to donate
12: okay um so on so you can check out the Wongi uh page so on facebook and instagram we do have um, connections to that but um uh women's resource center um has has links on that website. So, but if you put, um, Women's Resource Center in Fitra, you'll find, um, Manawandabura or Manan for short. Um, and Wongi has, there's lots of, there's lots of messages that have been coming in, um, from like, um, Bangara, um, mob dance, uh, Nikki Winmar, mob from the West Coast Eagle. And in all of those posts, there is a link to Manan as well. Like they've just been beautiful to receive those
11: and share them with our community. So wonderful to have that solidarity. Uh, I mean, thank you so much for being generous with your time when uh, everything is so hectic up there at the moment. And speaking with me today, Natalie, is, is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up the interview today? Or um, uh, Just that, you know, I'm here to support
12: um, local radio. <laughs> that's, uh, the bombardment of, like, media that's been there. I You know, I'm going to advocate for community media every time. Um, because I've just, you know, this has just heightened the importance of, um, our own, you know, our own, um, media, our own radio on local stuff being able to support all the different code switching that we need, all, and know all the, um, what's happening on the ground, why it's so important that those organizations are supported to maintain, I'm um, getting our word out there.
11: Mm. Absolutely, yeah, and it sounds as though community media and also community networks in the immediate disaster response um, have been really vital here. So I think that's such an important message. Well, thank you so much for for speaking with us today, Natalie, um, and sending you and uh, everyone in the area, um, yeah, our, our thoughts, feelings, and hopefully some money if everyone's listening. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> very appreciated. That was Natalie Davey from Wangi Radio speaking with Emma Hart from 3CR, and there'll be donation details in our bio. Um, Thank you so much for catching up with us on Thursday Breakfast, and please stay tuned for our dedicated Invasion Day programming from 9 a.m. You're listening to 3CR, 855
2: a.m. 3CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's radical independent bookseller and venue, for their financial support of this program. You can find NIBS in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. Or check them out at nibs.org.au to find more information about upcoming discussions and events. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.